So, hey, forensics people, we are back. It's not a regular episode day. You're so confused. What is this doing in your feed? You're like, what did these guys do? And what's we're going like, on? what's happening? And we're like, you know what's happening is we decided it was finally time to talk about collegiate forensics on the podcast. Yes. Yes. And Gotta so we had the honor of speaking with the new co-directors of forensics at UW-Whitewater, Brian Shannon and Kevin Hill. And they joined us just to talk about like what forensics in college is all about and how to raise awareness of college uh, forensics among high school forensic students, many of whom, including myself when I was in high school, had no idea that collegiate forensics was even a thing, was even something that they could look for when it came time to choosing a college. And so let's talk about college forensics. Let's do it with the delightful Kevin and Brian. Welcome, guys, to Forensics Faces. We're excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I will do a quick introduction, which is just to say that we have joining us today to talk about college forensics, Brian Shannon and Kevin Hill, the co-directors of forensics for UW-Whitewater. Um, but now I would love it if you guys uh, gave us your like background bios, um, how you got involved in forensics in the first place, and then the path you took to become directors of forensics at Whitewater. Brian, you want to start? Yeah, so yeah, I can start. Uh, so uh, my sister actually did, my older sister did forensics when she was in high school. So I just followed in her footsteps and did it. I went to Port Washington High School and graduated in 2011 and did forensics my four years there and then came to Whitewater knowing they had a program, but decided I wasn't going to do it. I didn't think I was going to have the time to do it and come to find out that at that time that one of my lec- one of my instructors, Jim Disrude, was the director of forensics here at Whitewater. So I was like, well, I guess this road isn't over quite yet. So I decided to join the team and competed for four years. And then in 2015, I started assistant coaching. And then at the end of last school year, when Jim decided to step aside uh, and he handed it over to Kevin and I. So I guess that's kind of the the short story of how I became involved. That was very efficient. (laughs) (laughs) That was well done. Um, Fun story. I actually know Brian's sister. She's a friend of mine. She judged for me for forensics a few times. She came to to Sheboygan and judged for me at my tournament more than once. Forensics is a small world. So it it, was actually I I met his sister through church. So it had nothing to do with forensics. Wow. And then and then found out he was one of those whitewater kids who was always around. So full disclosure, I know Brian's sister (laughs) and that that impacts this conversation in zero ways. (laughs) Kevin, how about you? But okay. Yeah. Um, Yeah. My story is fun facts too dissimilar from Brian's. So I'm actually from Nequa Valley High School in Illinois. Um, And then I came up to Whitewater for college. Um, So I did forensics all four years in high school and then kind of the same story in college. I reached out to Jim when I first came here. He was super welcoming as he was with all new people. And then kind of just right from the beginning was super hooked on it and then loved it all four years that I competed in college. And now same as Brian, end of last year, Jim just sort of asked if we'd be able to help take over, and we were more than happy to. 
So what are the circumstances that allowed you guys to do that? Like in, in a team of a lot of different people, like how, like how did it end up being? Yeah. You two? So um, the timing worked out really nicely because at that time I just graduated and Brian had been out for a few years. Um, but we were both university employees now. So Brian is faculty and then I'm staff working as a web developer. But since we're both employees, it makes it a lot easier for us to do travel reports, booking hotels, using university stuff, all that. Um, so it just kind of set itself up nicely that we were able to be in that position. That's awesome. Um, I'm curious what the state of forensics is at Whitewater right now. Um, and like, has it changed at all since you guys first entered the program a few years ago as undergrads? So when I took over, when I entered the program uh, as a freshman, it was in fall of 2011. Jim had just taken over the program. So it was still extremely small and still in a very developmental phase at that point. And so he's done a lot to grow it. And since then, the health has been rising, if you will, throughout each each season. Uh, so then when Kevin and I both took it over, we had there was a strong foundation for us to base it, off, base it off of. And we've been working on a couple of things in the past couple of weeks where we've really learned how deep the roots of the forensics team run on campus, which means a lot for us in terms of support and being able to um, host things like Speech Bowl and uh, interact within the larger campus community, if you will. Nice. Anything you want to um, add, Kevin? Yeah, I, again, I Jim did such a great job of helping build up a program that has been around for decades. Um, but I think he really wanted to try and kick it up a notch and make sure that it was at its highest possible level. And so the steps that he took with starting with, like Brian said, just a handful of people that he fought hard to try and get to join the team. Now it's a point where we have people approach us about joining the team, which is a really cool thing to be able to have versus having to do what Jim did, which is kind of bending over backwards sometimes to get people to join. And when you say people are asking to join the team, are you talking about students who are already at Whitewater or are you starting to see interest from high school students who already know about the program and are thinking about joining friends uh, once they get pretty there? pretty healthy balance of both. We have a number of people on campus who maybe their freshman or sophomore years say, I didn't realize the Whitewater had a program. Can I still join? And when we're happy to work with those people. And then now we're starting to sort of kick up our efforts to reach out to high schoolers and try to get them involved. So this past weekend, we were at Sun Prairie's tournament and set up a table there. And what we found was almost every judge or coach that we talked to, um, their response was basically, if I had known there was college forensics, which is a little sad to hear. Um, so we're trying to make sure that we're reaching those high schoolers that still want to do it. And so that they know that it's out there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you can yeah. add me to that list. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have had to go to college first, but I definitely would have done forensics if I had done that. Um, so can you talk a little bit, but then about how high schoolers do reach out to you to start getting more information about the team? Do they do it via email? Should they come up to you at a tournament? Do you have like a Facebook page? How does that whole process work? All of the above. Uh, we've been approached in a lot of different ways. Um, the one nice thing, too, with Jim is that he's uh, actually moved up within the College of Arts and Communication here at Whitewater. And so he 
has a lot of FaceTime with some prospective students when they come to preview days and stuff like that. So he's forwarded us a couple of names. A couple of students have emailed us. A couple of people have approached us at different tournaments. So any of those, even through Facebook as well, we get messages through there. Um, so all of, all of the above, really. And when a high school student approaches you to ask about forensics at the collegiate level, what's the spiel you give? Cause it's different. Collegiate forensics is different than high school forensics. So like, what are the similarities? What are the differences? I'm sure you have this worked out into a very uh, nice elevator speech for those high school kids who are looking at college forensics. Like what's, what's your elevator speech on transitioning from yeah, high school I mean, the forensics to college forensics? really isn't as difficult as a lot of people might think. Um, sure. There's some like different events and stuff, but Brian, for example, put together a chart of like, if you do this event in high school, what does that translate to in college? Because there's a pretty similar version for every event. Um, and so it's helping that student find that right event. But one nice difference between the two is that one thing we've talked about is how when high schoolers come back from winter break, it's basically go, go, go until state and nationals if your team goes to there. Um, whereas in college, we start at the beginning of the school year. And then we go until the end of the school year. But that means that we travel once, sometimes twice a month instead of every weekend in a month. And so it's a little more spread out. Students have a little more freedom with which tournaments they go to. Um, and so it's really placing more of that responsibility on the students to let them make the experience what they want it to be. And well, I guess, first of all, I'm curious, like, what did you guys compete in? What was your college forensics uh, experience like? So for me, I did radio in high school, so that doesn't exist in college, unfortunately. Uh, so I started uh, with dramatic interpretation, which is very similar to what you would say in solo serious high school. Um, and then I transitioned from there and I did impromptu, extemporaneous speaking, persuasive speaking, and an event uh, called communication analysis, which basically looks at something and says, does it work? And then so for like high school, says, Does it um, work? I also did radio my first two years, and then I did informative my second two years. And then in college, I did extemp and impromptu, informative, persuasive, uh, communication analysis, and then after dinner speaking, which is basically a funny persuasive speech. And is it typical in college that one student would do that many things? And is the, are you saying you did that like all in a year or like that's what you did over the for, like course of your career? Like how much work should a uh, college forensic Yeah, that student is how many events I did in a year, to be doing? Um, but that's also completely up to the students. Like we have students that do two or three events in a year and students that do six. So it's really what they're comfortable with. And we know that like I wanted to do six events, but not every student is going to want to do six events, which is completely understandable. Um, and so we're not you know, forcing a bunch of yeah. events on people. And I think, and the number, uh, that we kind we give prospective students on, you know, on the low end, what do you expect to spend in a week on the team? We would probably say two to three hours on the low end when there's not a competition. Um, and then competitions are formatted a little bit differently. So where in high school, all the preliminary events for every event is basically done over the exact same time period in college. It's split up between morning and afternoon. So that way it helps allow student to take on two, three, four events without just running around all morning, basically uh, like you might find in the high school circuit. So one thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about is the collegiate forensics model 
this is my understanding and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the competition is geared toward making it to a national competition. Um, can you just kind of talk about what that model is and like, what's the ultimate goal in a year if you are in collegiate forensics? Like in high school, we work towards the state tournament and you try to get a state championship and or you try to work towards getting to nationals and being a national champion. Like what's your version of like yeah, the so ultimate success college, at the collegiate very much level? Nationals focused. Um, but what's interesting is that each team, there's three different national tournaments for the, or there's a handful of them, but um, most teams usually pick two per year and somewhere in that range. Um, so it kind of depends on which one you're going to, but ultimately there is a national tournament at the end of the road that teams are working towards. And so each one has different qualification processes. Some don't have qualifications. Um, so, but yeah, so state tournaments tend to be a little bit smaller since there's just fewer college programs and there are high school programs. And so that's why we then look forward. Okay. Maybe not state, but the national tournament is where we shift our focus to. And what are the kinds of qualifications? Like, are you doing a traditional qualifier like we do where you're competing against people in a region or are you trying to like, have a number, certain number of first places, what does qualification for nationals on the collegiate level look like? So for NFA, the National Forensics Association Tournament, which is the the big one that Whitewater goes to every year, the simplistic rule of it is that you make it into a final round. You make it into a power round. So uh, top six at the tournament, and that'll get you qualified. And then there's another national tournament called uh, AFA, which is you have to make it into at least three finals. And Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong on this. The cumulative placements need something to in that equal range, yeah. less than so like eight. a first place, first place, and a sixth place would get you in, I believe. How do you like? So is that your job as the co-directors to keep track of that and then submit it? And then like, does somebody at the nationals level verify it? Like, how is that all tracked? Speechwire has been wonderful for that. So a lot of the college tournaments that are run through Speechwire, that stuff gets automatically uh, sent over to the powers that be at NFA. And NFA hosts their tournament through Speechwire so it can pull in all of that information. There used to be a reporting process, but as we took it over, we asked Jim, we're like, how do you report? And he's like, Speechwire does it for you. So (laughs) awesome. I bet there's some back in the good old days stories when it comes to (laughs) you like you have to know for sure yeah Yeah, somebody along the way tried to cheat that system you have to know they did like yeah sure I made it I made it um I love that um (laughs) um you guys um have What's as you've, you've given a lot of credit to Jim Disrude, you guys are now running a really great program at Whitewater. What would you say is like the state of forensics in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to college forensics? And like, kind of in a do you have a sense of how that compares to other places a, in the country? Oh, <laughs> you could be um, yeah. So there, a number she said of years you ago, um, for probably about maybe five programs across the state. But over time, unfortunately, some universities have limited or cut funding or support for those programs. And so a couple of those have fallen off by the wayside. And so we kind of hope each year that there's they're able to find new life, but that's not always the case. So teams kind of come in and out of existence sometimes. Um, but 
there's still a handful of teams across Wisconsin that are staying strong and still doing our best to support each other at tournaments. And that's kind of a theme that we've noticed uh, nationally as well. I've heard Indiana, the states of Indiana and Ohio have also seen that drop off of teams over the past, I would want to say about 10 years. Uh, However, right to our south in Illinois, they seem to stay strong with their programs. the nice thing about Whitewater is that we're real close to really kind of the, the stronghold of college forensics nationally uh, in terms of programs and strength of competition and things like that. That's good. It's sad to hear that that's happening. And I mean, obviously, it's not just happening at the collegiate level either. We've certainly seen it at the high school level that there are programs that come and go. And overall, many teams numbers are down and funding is being pulled. So even if they're surviving, it's because they're doing it on their own, not with the support of the district. Um, Is there any... You know, you talk about the NFA and other national organizations. Is there anything... Is there? I guess is it's there any body of people who's like advocating like for forensics at the college for level? Their own teams. So like, you know, we are Maybe very fortunate a way to, to have strong support question. from our university, and so uh, we just continue to work with them to try and maintain that. And so it's there are definitely universities that try to do communal outreach and stuff like that, and I think that helps sort of raise awareness for those teams that are able to get their names out there to local high schools. Um, whatever ways they can get their team's name out there and involved in their communities. Um, but as far as I know, it's, it's kind of hard to reach most universities as a whole from a central body. Um, but some things like NFA, for example, is currently trying to implement measures to increase accessibility to the tournament for teams with low funding. And so measures like that are trying to help teams get in the door so that then they can have some national recognition that they can take back to their universities and say, hey, we did this, this, and this, and sort of help persuade them to give or increase funding. Good. Oh, that's really good to hear. Um, it sounded like in both of your stories, you didn't know there was a team at UW-Whitewater for forensics that you were like intending to join. It just sort of happened. Uh, luck of the draw. And Melissa and I, both as high school students, were very involved, but didn't know that collegiate was forensics was even a thing. Why do you think that is the case. Like how do high school kids who are really passionate about forensics not know that there are options for them at the collegiate level? Kevin and I were actually kind of talking about this yesterday at the Sun Prairie tournament is that Whitewater has been lucky enough to host the state high school tournament for the past couple of years. And we've hosted speech bowl and stuff, but as high school competitors, we would be at these tournaments at these college campuses and we'd be like, yeah, we're here competing, but we wouldn't put two and two together and realize that, oh, that's because there's a college speech program there. And I think it's a little bit of being able to make that cross reach between high school and college and having those conversations with students early on and just having that that visibility in other places other than just having students on campus. On average, or maybe you don't, maybe you have numbers that you can actually share with us, but like, what do you think the average like number of schools in a state that offer forensics are? On the college level? Yeah. Um, I would want to say in a typical state, somewhere between three and four. Okay. Well, so, I mean, that's got to be part of the problem as well, then when there are so many options for college and so few of them offer the activity, like why, why would you look for that as one of the 
the things you're looking at when you're looking at a college. Yeah. And I don't remember any of the materials I looked at, like having a little checkbox next to, and we have a forensics team, <laughs> you know, cause if they, if that had been there, I certainly would have, would have thought about it. Um, and yeah, back, I mean, I was one of those kids too, back in the day, the state tournament was at UW Oshkosh where apparently there was a forensics team and I had no idea. And then we hosted it at Ripon college for so many years. And a lot of the kids didn't know like there's a team there. And then we moved it to whitewater. And I would say like you guys, and again, giving credit to Jim Disrude, who did a lot of this, this outreach, like you guys have done the best job of showing off, Hey, we have a team, like your team was there. They were helping, but also like at the awards ceremony, you had a video talking about forensics and interviewing your actual like competitors. Um, so that it showed off, like you're being hosted by UW Whitewater and the UW Whitewater forensics team. And I had a lot of kids leave those tournaments, those, those first few years we were hosted at Whitewater saying like, I didn't even know it was a thing. And me going, I know, right. You should do it. Like if you're not thinking about Whitewater, you should think about Whitewater. Well, and even then if it, you know, obviously people have different needs for majors and just what they want from a school, even if Whitewater isn't the right fit, just looking. No, at you should pick your college for forensics. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course come to Whitewater, but if you're not, <laughs> the, the important thing we were talking about this, like, obviously we would love for everyone in the world to come to Whitewater and join our team. But even if they don't um, just do college forensics somewhere, wherever you go, try to factor that into your college search. Because our students, Kevin and I have, have researched this stuff and we're like, this person would be so amazing on the college speech circuit. You know, Whitewater might not be their best fit, but they're going somewhere that doesn't have a program. And it's a shame because they would be such a perfect fit for the college forensics community. Yeah, absolutely. So I understand that you guys also run a camp for, for high school kids or is it high school and college kids? Tell us about that uh, experience. Yeah, so that's a camp for high schoolers. Um, Jimmy's thrown it a little while back, but I think kind of his hands got too full and sort of fell by the wayside. And so now that there's two of us, we figure, well, it's probably a little easier to run it with two people. We don't have families or anything like that. So we have a little more time on our hands. And so we wanted to bring that back this year. And we are um, early July to try and help high school forensics competitors leave with a completed piece so that that scramble in December can instead be shifted to, Hey, let's look at that piece, maybe make some adjustments with your coach and your team, and then work on that delivery a little bit so that you can be a step ahead of that first tournament and come out of the gate strong. Will there be canoeing and s'mores at your summer camp? <laughs> um, I don't know about canoeing, but s'mores can definitely happen. Okay, good. Um, and then, so you say like pieces. So is it like bringing your, because both of you seem to have a lot of expertise in in speech writing and speaking um, on the collegiate level. So is it also just like helping kids like find and cut down their pieces, uh, helping them come up with techniques for all that sort of stuff? Is it just like the whole the whole high school forensics gambit that you're running? Yeah, so it, it's, an, it's not like sort of just a, hey, come, we'll give you a piece and then leave. We also use part of it for like, how do you find sources? How do you build a strong introduction? Um, so we split up. I think that we have it structured. The first part of the day is going to be more instructional. And how do you do this? How do you do this? So that they can take those skills and then apply it on their own as well. And then the other part is now let's apply that and help you get a speech or a prose or whatever up and running. Um, 
so yeah, Brian and I's expertise is mostly speech writing, but we also have a handful of excellent interp coaches who will be helping people put interp and acting events together as well. Is there an age limit and am I too old to go? <laughs> you are always welcome. Yes. All right. I have to write a letter to my mom and dad to see if they'll, if they'll send me. Um, yes. yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, sometimes summer camps can be expensive. Is your camp sort of on the same level that a lot of, because I know there are other colleges that have hosted high school forensics camps and stuff. So is yours on the same level? Is it cheaper for like Wisconsin residents? Like what's the sort of pay area? Let's just be realistic about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You want to go, Brian? Sure. So uh, right now uh, we are actually running a little bit of a special on it. So it's $450 for the entire week. Uh, that includes food, housing, the whole nine yards uh, up until March 1st. And then the price goes up to $500. Uh, we've done our research on what other camps have cost. And those are, have we found to be typically north of a thousand. So uh, we think this falls right in line with um, where other programs kind of price their camps. Yeah, I was gonna say we we've sent kids to summer camps and other other places, and yours is a much much better financial uh, cost than some of the other ones that uh, we have sent kids to. Are there any scholarship opportunities you guys are running yet, or is it something you're hoping to go once you get more more years down in the camps? It's your first time running it, or yeah, that's exactly right. We're hoping that once we are able to build up more of a foundation with it, we can start to offer more scholarships for returning campers, new campers, the whole the whole gambit. Nice. I love that. So I remember when when Jim was running the camp a few years ago, I had a student who went um, over two summers and it was really awesome uh, to have for her to have that experience to like just have a week to focus on forensics. Um, and I don't think we ended up using even the stuff that she created there. But it gave her such a foundation for then creating the thing that came out of that a few months later um, that it was still so valuable for her, even though we didn't even use the thing that she created during that week. But she learned a lot and she loved the experience of hanging out with other forensics minded people for yeah. a full week. Yeah, and we definitely acknowledge we totally realize that, you know, a student might come to the to their coach and just not the right fit and change it up. And that's totally fine, just as long as we're able to help. Um, also give them the skills to create a new and better piece eventually. That's the ultimate goal. I'm just curious, like even just from a few years ago, like connectivity across the world has changed so much. Like is, can a coach be involved if they want to like not physically be there, but like if you're picking out a piece and it's between two, can the student like email their coach and be like, Hey, what do you think? Or is it totally outside the influence of coaches and just hang out? with the the specific group that's assembled. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely something we're trying to sort of figure out what's best. And so we are very open to feedback from coaches and the community on what they think would be best. Um, Because since this is our first time running it, we want to make sure that, you know, we're not stepping over anyone's toes. We're working a nice balance. And so any ideas that people have, we are more than happy to hear and try and implement. I will say in the past, I had a student that went to camp in Minnesota and she was working on an oratory there. And at night, she would just share with me the Google Doc that she was writing her speech in. And I would send like notes and suggestions that she would then bring to her like lab leader the next day being like, my coach suggested this. What do you think? And then like feedback all around the loop because Google Docs are the best part of like 
I don't remember what it was like to coach without them at this point. Uh, I can't so, imagine. <laughs> and if you're a coach and you're not using Google Docs right now, you need to be in the Google Docs. Okay. It's the best. I that handed my coach speeches on paper. I brought him speeches on paper. Isn't that a trip? That was the only way they could get it. Because like we didn't have student emails back then and email was considered weird and unsafe. And you couldn't email a teacher because that's too much of a person. That's like going to their house. How inappropriate is that? Now, now we're all now, now we're all like friends with them on Facebook and Instagram, and it's, yeah, so much has changed. Um, that's awesome. I'm always a big fan, like as a policy of like empowering the student. So I guess I would say if like if I had a kid who was there and they were like, I really want to get Kurt's feedback. Great if they're there and they're like. I don't want my coach to know a thing about this until I show it to him in October. I want then, to be a surprise. Yeah, let them, yeah, let them know. Like you know, let the kid, let the kid make the the best decision for them. And then, so if they want to know a little bit more about the camp or any other details, where can our lovely friends of the pod go to find out more about the UW Whitewater Summer Camp? Yeah, so they can either search UWW Speech Camp or UW Whitewater Speech Camp, and it should be the first result that comes up. It'll take you to Whitewater's page, and there's a whole beautiful thing on all the information of the camp, what it is, how you register, all that good stuff. And there's also a post on our Facebook page, UW Whitewater Forensics, where you can just click the link and it'll take you right to it. Awesome. And we've been seeing you guys a lot at local tournaments. What other tournaments can we expect to see your handsome faces at in the coming weeks? So we will be at the Milton tournament on Friday, February 15th, and then up the road in Fort Atkinson on Saturday, February 16th. We'll have a table at the Whitewater Speech Bowl on February the 23rd. We'll also be at the Madison Memorial tournament on March the 2nd. And we're looking at the possibility of trying to be at both the, the WFCA and WHSFA tournaments in April. Awesome. awesome. So if you are a listener and you see that uh, that purple tabletop, uh, go say hi. Yes, come talk and to tell us. Them is, is it, yeah, And tell them we sent Yeah, and tell them we sent Exactly, you. yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> and make sure if you are interested in doing that camp that you get there, you said before March 1st, to get the yes. special rate. Get that discount. Awesome. We are all about the discount. Early bird <laughs> specials, y'all. Early bird specials. <laughs> uh, definitely. Well, is there anything else that you guys would share with uh, with our listening audience, be they coaches or students? It's been awesome being out on the circuit uh, so far this season. Um, having competed in the high school circuit uh, in Wisconsin and then now being able to be involved with it on the other side of it has been absolutely awesome. So uh, it's always fun to be able to talk with students and coaches. So please come talk to us. I swear we don't bite. (laughs) And regardless of what age you are, again, come talk to us and we're happy to figure out a way to get you into college forensics. No matter what that route is, we just like to see more people in it and more representation from Wisconsin. Awesome. awesome. Yay, Wisconsin Yay. Forensics. <laughs> my Thank you guys. woke up my cat. <laughs> oh, well, then that means it's a good time to call it quits. Because <laughs> otherwise, Jed's going to start making noises. He is going so. to start giving his State of the Union. All right. Thank you again, Brian and Kevin. It was great getting to Thank talk with so you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 
Forensic Spaces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by JJ Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at ForensicsFaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and our online merch store by visiting ForensicsFaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. 